The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! November 16th, 2020, season 16, episode number 64. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. I am live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I got Nick and Dave and Amber, and it's ha- I'm happy to be back with these guys. I haven't seen them since last Monday. Uh, we did our show shuffle, and, uh, and so I'm interested to hear from these guys, which we will do in just a second, what their experience was uh, without having me hosting their show. Uh, hopefully it was uh, something that they missed, and they're happy to be back with me. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Trayvon Diggs. We did not get a chance to talk about his injury last week and what that means for him and for the team. We'll talk a little bit about the NFC East. Some interesting developments with that division yesterday that might put the Cowboys closer to maybe winning the division. I know Dave's going to have a look for me right about now. And, uh, and then we'll finally have a segment at the end where Amber's going to give us some, uh, some questions. She's got a little game for us, I think, uh, and some questions that we're going to roll through in the uh, maybe a little bit of the second segment. How's everybody doing today? We good? Great, Derek. Good. Good, good, good. Let's jump in. I, I actually did want to debrief a little bit. Uh, it was kind of funny because, and I'll save mine until the end, but as I was doing the show last week in our shuffle, and I had Isaiah with me, and I had Barry Church with me, and I had Kurt Daniels with me. There were moments during those shows where I was like, y'all really think that? And, and it makes you realize just how much we on our show have our very solid opinions about certain things. And we kind of start, I know for myself, I start to think the whole world has those opinions until I start interacting with other people from other shows and realize that some of those just aren't what everybody thinks. So we're going to go around the table here, and I want you guys, each one of you, to tell me one thing that you learned last week on your show, on whatever show you were on, uh, that maybe you didn't really think was out there that, that other, other people believe. Let's start first with you, Nick. Well, I obviously learned uh, the way Nate Newton feels about moral victories, <laughs> and so, and he learned he learned how I feel about mine, and, and it probably went on for a little bit too long. But um, you know, I, I you know I had uh, Kyle Yeomans, who I you know is very prepared. You know, he, he does a, a nice job. Um, you know, hosting, of course, and you know Nate, you know, it brings a perspective that that was you know it, it's we don't have obviously on this show just from a, a from being a player and a really good player so um but you know i had worked with those guys before and it was it was good i mean uh we you know we differed on on some things on the quarterbacks and and who who to play so that that wasn't unusual because we do that on this show too but uh you know I, I didn't i don't know what i learned that was different i just thought you know it was it was different perspectives but you know, um, I've never seen you, Derek, wear a referee shirt. You never had to do that, so Kyle busted that out. Uh, it, it, but it was it was a good idea, and it was it was fun to do. Amber, you're up. Well, it was fun to to get to tune into those other shows and watch you guys and see how you guys behave around other people and <laughs> other environments. So that was fun, um, but I wasn't on hanging with the boys, and you know that show is. Shannon Gross hosting it is pretty chill. Like there was no drama or anything. The one thing that I can think of that 
somehow we ended up talking about Jason Garrett. And Shannon had the audacity Mm-mm. to say something that, and we all, we all respect Jason Garrett, and we, I think we all see certain values that he brings and certain things that he's really, really good at. But Shannon dared to say that he appreciated the fact of Jason Garrett, uh, how he was so consistent and how you knew what you were going to get with Jason Garrett, which was mainly part of his problem and <laughs> and part of the reason why people were ready to get rid of him. So, uh, uh, you know, Shannon, you never really know when to take him seriously, but <laughs> that comment, I, I, I was just like, okay, I was just shaking my head, but... That was the the only thing that kind of stood out that was maybe different from what most of us think about Jason Garrett and his era here with the Cowboys. You know, I will say this, too, about you, A.G. I, I even texted you. You seem to be real agreeable and really nice last week on Hanging with the Boys. That was not what I'm familiar with. Nick actually hit me up I, and said I the know. same thing. Like, you are a whole different person on that show than you than what you bring well, over here. You, you know, when you're when you're in somebody else's house, you gotta yeah. behave and you gotta <laughs> act nice. So that's that's mainly why I, I was so well behaved nice. and and I was just I, I, yeah. You're representing us well. I like it. All right, Dave. What did you learn last week? <laughs> I learned that structure can be a good thing because uh, you know me and Nick like to poke fun at you and you send us an 800 word rundown every day and sometimes I think this show is a little bit too structured but I got a really good taste of the opposite end of that with Mickey and Bill Jones last week because we just kind of rolled the ball out there and like let's see what happens and it went in some pretty weird places I think we talked about uh, wife swapping. We wow. talked about World War II. <laughs> we talked about, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the Cowboys, but I would not say it was like the dominant topic of conversation. So uh, I had a good time, but I just remember being kind of blown away. Like, man, this is this is where your podcast can go if you don't really come <laughs> at it with a game plan, I guess. So Very nice. it was fun. Well, I'll yeah. take that as a compliment, Dave. I'll, I'll really take that as a compliment that, that you like the fact that we have structure on the show. And it the next is. time you point out that we're too structured, I'll just say, do you want to go back to mix shots? You have every option we can send <laughs> you back to mix shots. I'm, All right. I'm okay. I'm you okay. know, the interesting thing I found out last week, and, and I know when, I, when they said it, I, I scoffed and I immediately thought if they were on the break right now with, these, with my other co-hosts, like you guys would have skewered them. But I, Isaiah and Barry both – Believe, I mean, wholeheartedly believe the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East, and uh, and we took a little time talking about this, and and they agree it's it's Kool Aid, but they're like we're drinking it all in because they believe that the Cowboys will win this division, and I, I'm gonna actually tee that up for you guys a little bit later in this show because there were some things that happened yesterday in the NFC East that they, I know both of them were sitting there looking like. Hey, here we go, you know, so we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I do want to talk about a bit of news that came out last week that we didn't get a chance to go through together. Uh, Trayvon Diggs reportedly out four to six weeks with a broken foot. Uh, I think it's known he has a broken foot. The reported part is the four to six weeks, which I'm not sure if that's if the organization has said that he's going to be out four to six weeks, but he's going to be out some time. Um, Cheeto has was activated last week. <laughs> from the reserved injured list. Uh, my question, my first question for you guys is how much does 
this hurt uh, Trayvon Diggs, assuming he's out four to six weeks. How much does hurt his development? Let's start with you, Amber. I mean, it hurts him. Obviously, you you want him out there getting those reps and everything. But at the same time, one thing we've learned from watching him play is that he's a guy that that's gonna keep fighting. He's a guy that's not gonna be affected by the adversity, and he's gonna keep pushing. So that's on the positive side. But it it always hurts a guy that's a rookie that we had just seen the last few weeks how he has been making plays. So. It's very unfortunate for the Cowboys secondary, and, and yeah, it's going to hurt his development, but I'm positive that he's going to be able to bounce back and be just fine. Dave? Yeah, just, I mean, I'm going to step out on a limb and say, and obviously I could be wrong, I feel like we've probably seen the last of Trayvon for the season. Mm. I, just, I mean, if that if that indication is right, you know, you're talking about maybe not being ready to come back until Christmas, and then at that point, do you risk further injury for a promising rookie with you know two weeks left in the season? That which maybe they'll make a playoff push and it'll be worth bringing him back, but I would assume not. Um, so it, it just sucks because that's that's seven weeks worth of reps that he could get that would make him a better player for next year. I'm not super worried about the long term i mean i i was really impressed by what he was able to show in a depleted secondary as a rookie um but it would it would just be nice if he could have seven weeks worth of reps to continue to improve nick you know you you keep saying four to six weeks and that's what the report was but we haven't talked about this in a while it's it's almost three to five weeks at this point just because it has been a week or so and so if it is on the on the short end of this then you know I do think maybe he can come back and and play um, the last few games I mean it's a it's a broken foot if it's healed if it's healthy you know I, I think he, he could do that um, in the last couple of games depending on how things are but but I don't think it really hurts his development he, he's a guy we've seen he's got a terrible memory which is exactly what you need as a cornerback so he, he you know he needs to, to, to just step right in play. Uh, you know, he, he's a gamer. Uh, sometimes it works for the other team. You know, he gives up some big plays, but he makes some. So I, I think if, if he can come back, the way the IR rules are now, I think if he can come back for a game or two, even if that's the case, I would I would do that. And I don't know, Dave, I don't know if the, if the broken foot coming back, I don't know if it would re-injure it. You know, if it's healed, it's healed. So who knows? I mean, we'll see. But if he, if he could play, I would play him. I, and I don't necessarily disagree. It just makes me it makes me nervous and I don't know that this is the injury that Des Bryant had but that's what I think of when I hear about broken bones and feet obviously it's a very you know you need feet to play football especially (laughs) footwork is everything for a defensive back and I just worry yeah if it's healed it's healed but is it a situation where you could re-aggravate it or you know if if you're trying to make the playoffs do you come back when it's healed but not a hundred percent right and you risk aggravating it that's i just i lean toward thinking it's smarter to shut him down but i also i'm not a doctor i don't know the severity but that's just the type of stuff i think about when i hear this so let's flip to the the guy that presumably will be jumping right into the spot that he now vacates cheeto beowuzie if you had to make a decision right now on cheeto based upon what you know at this point are you going to sign him are you looking to resign him in the offseason dave that's really kind of unfair since we got to see two games of tape out of him. I mean, 
he he really hasn't had a season. Um, the question always comes down to price. I mean, if I could re-sign Cheeto for a similar deal to what they got Anthony Brown for, you know, $5 million a year, something fairly small by starter standards, I'd probably do it. He's He is the free agent defensive back that I would be most willing to re-sign. I'll say that. Mm. But if somebody wants to offer him a boatload on the open market, I'm okay. Nick? That's a tough one um, because – you, you'd like to just say, no, nah, no, nah, you, you, you can go on uh, because, you know, I you can just look at the, this season and see, you know, I, and I don't know the severity of the injury, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how quickly he was trying to get back. I mean, again, I, we don't know much what's going on, but I know that he was out there for a long, long time. I wonder if the record played a part into that. However, I don't know if the Cowboys are in a situation where they can say, well, you know, just go on. We're good because you're not good. You're not good at cornerback, so you need as many guys. I I think Dave's right. I think he goes to free agency. I think uh, you know he tests the market. He sees what's out there. It might be a situation where you know he he does stay, but uh, I just have a feeling he'll probably sign with another team. Amber, I think um, it depends on the money. If it makes sense, I would keep him. Because he's he's a guy that is competitive, and right now when you look at the Cowboys cornerback, like who do you really have that that you can think of? I mean, aside from Trevon Diggs, there's no other name that will just automatically pop into your head and say, oh yeah, that guy. So you need to keep someone. You know, you can't just bring a bunch of new cornerbacks into the cornerbacks room. And then you you talk about Jordan Lewis. That's another guy who. You, you just don't know either. And he has been able to play this year. And, yes, he, he got an injury and was out for a little while. But at the same time, I think that you have to choose between one of those two guys. I would keep either Jordan or Cheeto. But over those two, I think I would have to lean towards Cheeto more. I was really excited about Jordan Lewis this year. He's a I love the guy. He's such a competitive guy. And he has shown so many great plays. But this year just hasn't worked out and I, you just cannot manage to just say bye to everyone in your cornerback room Dave, Nick, if you had to choose between the two, Amber told us she would go with Cheeto over Jordan, would you guys do the same thing and assuming that you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more for Cheeto, probably not a lot but a little bit more and also assuming the fact that uh, right now Jordan's the guy that, that, that goes into the slot if you're going to have Anthony Brown and if you're going to have Trayvon Diggs, are you creating a problem for yourself if you go with Cheeto as, as far as who's going to move into the slot? Let's start first with you, Nick. I go for the cheapest guy. I mean, I'm not spending a lot of money on that on those guys at that position. Uh, I think in free agency, if you're going to do anything in free agency this year, I think you've got to see if there's a veteran cornerback that's out there uh, that you can that you can do something with. So that being said, I probably would lean towards Jordan. I think he'd be cheaper. And like you said, Derek, yeah, it's a good point. I think having a, a slot guy. But I've been disappointed with, with him, too. I kind of thought he would make a little bit more plays. He's got a lot, a few penalties this year. He doesn't, you know, that that's really been the only significant things. I haven't seen him make any any plays. Dave, um, I, I mean, I get what y'all are saying, and and nickelback slot cornerback is a super important position. But like, you can find those guys all over the place. Orlando Scandrick was pretty good at it for a long time. Fifth round pick. More often than not, teams find those guys on day three of the draft. And on top of that, Anthony Brown can play slot as well. 
I would re-sign Cheeto because I have proof. He might not be amazing at it, but I have proof that Cheeto can line up on the outside and cover a guy, you know, out on the numbers. And and not having Byron Jones has emphasized just how important that is to a defense. We talked, me and Nick talked about it earlier this morning. I don't know that Byron, you know, Byron's not having this crazy, amazing season uh, in Miami, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the Dolphins spent a lot of money on him and Xavier Howard, and their defense is pretty nasty. I'm going to guess that good coverage is a big part of that. So give me the guy that can cover somebody out on the boundary. Again, I'm not, you know, Cheeto's not Byron Jones, but that's who I'd rather have. At this point, you, know, this- you got to remember, though, it. Hey, hey, Derek, you got to remember this, though. It's a two-way street. I mean, these guys may not want to sign here. I mean, they, they may they want to go another place. And so, uh, you know, we say, I would sign him. And I know that was the question. But I, again, without talking to either one of them, I have a feeling that they'll both be out, peace, I mean, when they get a chance. So I, I just don't get the sense that they're going to even want to resign. Yeah, it's interesting. You Yesterday, watching the NFL, you saw a lot of former Cowboys but it's pretty good plays yesterday, and it's uh, you know it's a uh, it's one of those yeah. things where you know I, I don't think you can blame that really on anybody. Maybe they're using them a different way in other places. Uh, I think that's really a big thing with Jeff Heath. I think they're using him exactly as he's supposed to be used. He doesn't have to be your starter, your main guy, but I do think if you're coming in and bringing him in on special situations and and kind of having him in a, in a rotation, I think he plays best there. And we know from the time he was here. He can make some plays every once in a while. Like we've seen him make plays here with the Cowboys, some big plays. Uh, I always remember back to that that game against the Raiders. Uh, that was a huge play. You know, he, he's made some plays for them. But all that being said, you're right, Nick. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, David. It, it, you just don't know if if I'm sorry, Nick. You said that uh, if if those guys will even want to be here, if they end up uh, wanting to go somewhere else because they just feel like, hey, I think another place may be a better fit for me. There's another team that might use my skills in a better way than what the way I'm being used here with the Cowboys. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into a little conversation about the NFC East, talk about where the teams stand there, and uh, what we think might happen here down the stretch, stretch with regards to who will win this really bad division at this point. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. 
visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. The Cowboys will be back at AT&T Stadium on Thanksgiving Day to take on the Washington football team. Tickets starting at $89 are on sale now. Get yours today at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Welcome back. It's the second segment of the break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star talking Cowboys. And we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about the NFC East. Right now, these teams are separated by a game and a half, I think it is. Uh, you got Philly at 3-5-1. and one. You've got New York at three and seven. You got Washington at two and seven, and then you got the Cowboys at two and seven. There's a lot of people that have been talking about this whole idea of tanking and, and trying to get the best pick you can get. I heard somebody bring up an interesting point though this morning that I wanted to, to toss to you guys. You look at a team like New York where they have a new coach and whole new regime, and for them, it might be just as important to be able to establish a culture of winning as it is trying to get a high draft pick. My question for you guys is the same. You have a, a situation here where you got a brand new coaching staff. They're trying to get guys to buy into what they're doing. How important is it at this point, or, or what is more important? Trying to get that higher draft pick, and I'm not saying they're going to try to get that higher draft pick, but getting that higher draft pick, or them establishing uh, themselves, this new coaching staff establishing themselves and establishing the culture of this team by winning. Let's start first with you, Dave. We're talking about we're talking about the Cowboys. Yes, right talking now, about the right? Cowboys. Correct. Yes. Uh, I I don't worry about the whole culture thing. Like the Giants, the Giants I think is a little different. Joe Judge is a first time head coach, and like the pieces on that team that you're relying on have never done it. You know, Daniel Jones is obviously a young player. He's never been in the playoffs. I know Saquon's hurt, but same thing for him. You know, they're young defensive players. Like, you're not building around a team that has ever succeeded. Whereas, and I know, you know, I can hear people saying the Cowboys haven't achieved anything really either, but it is different. I mean, Dak Dak is in year five. Dak has been through the wars. He's been to the playoffs multiple times. Really, all of the important pieces on this team have been to the playoffs multiple times. Like, they know what it means to be part of a successful team. Mike McCarthy has obviously won a Super Bowl. So this is not a team that is unfamiliar with that feeling. So I don't I don't really worry about that so much as being able to improve the roster so that these good players can do that again in the future. Amber. That's a really tough question, and, and for me, it depends what day of the week you're asking me this, because <laughs> during the weekdays, I, I'm thinking about the draft, and I'm thinking, okay, yes, you know what, Let, let's just get that high draft pick and make some better draft choices this upcoming year, but then you ask me on game day, I'm like, screw the draft, you know, I want them to play good football, I want them to win this freaking game, go out there and make it exciting, so... To me, right now, um, even though I, I get everything that Dave just said, and I kind of agree, 
But at the same time, this is a whole new team, a lot of young guys. I need to have the feeling that they do get that establishing the winning culture and the fact that they can actually win a game with this coaching staff put together. Because even if you talk about draft high picks next year, what's going to make me have hope that this team can actually utilize that talent that they just brought in? So right now for me, it's like, Yes, I won the good draft and whatever, but at the same time, I, I need to see some excitement this year, this second half of the season. I need to feel like this team can actually put together a winning game and win some games out there because, like I said, what's good, uh, what's it going to do bringing some great talent if the coaching staff, staff can't put it together? So I guess I'm kind of in both sides, but I would lean towards winning culture a little bit more nick i mean i just don't i think what what, when we talk about this we're talking about from a fan's perspective media perspective we're talking we're talking about like what we would prefer to see because if you're really talking about the team like they're gonna go play and and, and win and try to win games i mean so it's like i think we look at it and go Ah, do I want to watch them win or do I want to just have a good draft pick? But And that sounds good because when you're watching it, you can make that choice. But as a team, you just play. You just play the game. You just say, we're going to go out and we're going to play the guys that are healthy and we're going to go out there and play. Because think of it like this. like What if they go 2-14 and 14 and then next year they go 8-8? Eight and eight? What's And Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. What's his record going to be? I mean... They're just going to be. He's going to say they have ten wins, right? Ten wins and and twenty two losses. Well, no one's going to go back and go. Well, hey, they really were just tanking. That that really doesn't count. No, that two and fourteen is going to stick on his record. He's not trying to tank games. He's going to try to go win games. So I think you win games. You do the best you can do. And then if you like Jerry always says, if you get a high draft pick, you earned it and you take it. But you don't go play for it. Yeah, and just That's to be clear, just to be clear, this is about fans and, and media. This is not about the team because the expectation is professionals are always going to be right. trying to win. So, as you, what your opinion, Nick, as a person that's a bystander that covers this team, yeah. and, and let's assume you want this team to do well, which do you think is more important? Yeah. I think, uh, like Amber said, I, I'd go try to win the games. I, I think that's that's important because I think this roster is a good roster when everybody's healthy. If you get the fifth, if you get the 18th pick in the draft, is that what, if that's what happens, if you sneak into the playoffs, I think you're automatically at 18. If you get that, you know, you can get a Leighton Van Der Esch type of player for a roster. I still think that that helps. Is it better than a six, five, or a third pick? No, of course not. But what you've established along the way to get there, the confidence of that staff, the trust. They need some trust. to uh, the, the players need to be able to trust the coaches. Coaches trust the players. That is not developed right now, and I think that it's really important for them to do that. Looking at how this division is playing out right now, again, only separated by a game and a half, um, who do you think wins this division? Let's start with you, Amber. <laughs> I hate this question so bad. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, my God, this is so tough. You know, regardless of all the pain that the Cowboys have put me through, in the back of my heart, down there, I still feel that somehow they're going to magically start winning games and and, and piece some things together to get to the point of them winning the the division. But based on everything that we've seen, it's hard to have that kind of hope. So if I had to choose 
someone that wins the division. I am in no way choosing the Eagles. I think that the Giants have started putting some things together <laughs> to where I've seen, even when they lose games, I've seen little sparks here and there of things that um, cause, uh, catches my attention and, and leads me to think that, okay, maybe they can be a little more successful than what we're actually seeing on this game. So, um, Maybe right now, I hate this question, Derek. Don't make me answer this. This is dumb. I don't want to answer it. I don't want to answer it. But uh, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. It, it's up for grabs for anyone. The only one that I keep down at the bottom would be Washington. But I think that anyone in, in this division can seriously take up the lead and, and win the NFC East. Nick. Don't make me answer this question, Derek. I don't like this question. <laughs> no, um, no. Um, I think the the Giants actually are in pretty good shape if there is such a thing um, at three and seven, just because they are three and two in the NFC East, and their two losses are to the Eagles in a game that they should have won, mm-hmm. probably, and a game against the Cowboys where I'm sure they feel like they should have won. Um, I, I don't think so. I think you know the Dak getting hurt changed everything, but. But you know they could easily be five and five right now with a five and and O record in the division. So I think that they have a, as good a chance as anyone. Um, but I could see any of the teams really sneaking in here. I mean, the, the only reason I don't say Philly is that their next five or six games are mm. very tough um, and on the schedule. So the Cowboys, I think, might have the best schedule of the group. Yep, Dave. I'll I'll answer the question, Derek. I'm not afraid, <laughs> and I'll. I'll piss everybody off in the process, too. I know, I know exactly what you're going to say. What am I going to say? You're going to say the Eagles because they have the best quarterback. Absolutely not. Like, like you, you, can't de- you can't defend. Listen, I've been, I've been bending over backward to make way for Carson Wentz, to give him the benefit of the doubt, and it's, it just ain't happening at this point. The Eagles are, are trash, and Nick makes a very good point. They've still got to play Green Bay. They've got to play New Orleans. I think they still have Seattle on their schedule. Yep, they do. No, the We're thing I was going to say, the Cowboys have the best chance to win this division right now. Absolutely they do. And I'm saying that knowing that it is insane. Because, you know, I've been sitting here for a month and a half saying, yeah, I know the East is bad, but these things have a way of taking care of themselves. The winner of this division is going to wind up with eight or nine wins. Mm-mm. That's not happening. Mm-mm. That is not that is not going to happen when you look at what these teams still have left. And everybody talks about the Giants. Oh, the Giants are kind of putting it together. Do you realize why that is? It's because they've gotten to, they've gotten to play the <laughs> NFC East in back-to-back weeks. They got they got a win against Washington and awful Philadelphia. They've played five of their six division games. They play the Cowboys to end the season. So they're they're done. They don't have any more layup games against bad division teams. The Giants still have to play Cleveland, Baltimore, Arizona, and Seattle, I believe. Oh. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think they get uh they get Cincinnati this week. So, you know, maybe that's a chance for them to get one more win, but it's gonna be tough sledding for them the rest of the way. Meanwhile, Dallas has three division games. If you go, you know, if you win those three games, all of a sudden, so that gets you to five and seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then and maybe you, got you just got to, you just got to, you got Cincinnati and you have the 49ers who are even more banged yep. up than the Cowboys yep. are. All they got to do is like play below 500 football. You know, if they go <laughs> three and four, 
If they go three and four, or definitely if they go four and three, that's probably good enough. So wow. if you're if you're making me pick right now, I might have to go with the Cowboys. And I hate I hate <laughs> saying it, but it makes sense. That is exactly the corner I wanted to back you into, Dave. <laughs> right there. That's exactly the <laughs> what do you What do you want me to say? No, no, no. It's it's, but it's actually <laughs> true. And I, the, I, I, the 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 reason why I brought up the question is because I laughed. In the faces of Isaiah and Barry last week when they were talking about it, I'm like, there's no way. And then I started looking at the schedule, and I was like, oh, wow. If things happen like they're supposed to happen this weekend, which they did, this thing gets really, really interesting for the Cowboys all the way out. And by the way, I think I I can speak for all of us. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. But over the last two weeks, we've seen a Cowboys team play markedly better than they've played before that. And, and so maybe if this defense is starting to get a little bit better and maybe if this offense can find uh, just a shred of what it was earlier in the season, now, of course, that was with Dak Prescott. But if they can get to that, then, then you look at the schedule and you say there are teams that are beatable on this schedule. This could get really interesting for the Cowboys down the stretch and certainly hurt the hope of the feelings of all those fans out there that are hoping this team stays up there in the top five as far as NFL draft picks go. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to have a little fun with Amber. Amber has some uh, some questions for us, maybe a game or two. I don't know. We'll figure it all out when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Let's change up that dinner routine and help support local Frisco businesses by choosing one of the 30 restaurants at the Star District. For more information on delivery, takeout, curbside pickup, and dine-in availability, visit thestardistrict.com. 
Welcome back to the final segment of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. This final segment will be Amber's segment. She has something for us. Amber, take it away. I'm pulling one from Shannon's book and just making it up as we go here. <laughs> so, I, no. gotta, I can't so let the, you hang out with him anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> bad influence. The first question, um, we, know, we know this has been a crazy season, so I want to ask you guys, what, what was a moment, a specific moment that happened during the season? Could be a play, could be an injury could be a decision that the coaching made or anything like that, that you were like, oh, crap, this is bad. This is not looking good. And something aside from Dak's injury, because we know how major that was, but at the same time, I think we, we all thought that Andy Dalton could still take over and help the Cowboys win some games. So if you had to pick a moment that you saw happening and that made you think, man, this is really bad for the Cowboys, what would that be? I think I'll start. I think Cleveland, the Cleveland game at that point, you know, you're one and two and you think, well, maybe you can get right and beat Cleveland at home. And the way they just ran over the team, um, you know, Dak was still there and healthy and even Tyron was playing that game. And the Browns just just even lost their starting running back and just couldn't stop running the football. And I just thought that was a sign of. This is this is not good because I don't think the Browns are that great of a team, and they showed it a few weeks later against Pittsburgh. So losing the way they did against the Browns, and you know just kind of letting Odell run all over them like that, and, and and the team, I just thought that was when it's like okay, this maybe this is a bad football team. I think that's uh, I think that's the right answer, just in terms of like the play that we've seen on the field. But other than that, I think you know with. Mike McCarthy tried so hard to keep everything close to the vest all through training camp. And I think up until like a week or so before the season, like I've still felt optimistic that Lyle Collins would be available at some point during the season. And so like week two, the combination of him going on IR and then Tyron dealing with injuries literally one week into the season, like right, like when you first started to realize like, oh, they're not going to have either of their tackles for a solid chunk of this season. I think even when Dak was healthy and everything, you're just like, they're going to be hard-pressed to win as many games as I thought they would with those those types of injuries. Yeah, Dave, it's interesting because I was going to say it's, it's, it's those two things started to make me feel a little weird. It wasn't until I heard that Tyron was out for the season that I was like, okay, the wheels are falling off this thing. Because when you think about it from the standpoint of how this team was built, this offense was built around an offensive line. Whether you're throwing the ball or running the ball, it's built around the offensive line. And at that moment, three of your top four offensive linemen were now gone. You you lost Travis Frederick because he retired, and Lyle Collins was gone before the season began. And then once they made uh, figured out that that Tyron was going to be lost for the entire season or for that the, the rest of the season, then to me it was like I I just don't see a scenario where with what you're going to have to patchwork together on the offensive line they'll be able to do the things that that give them success. I thought Dak would keep them in games, but once Dak went down, and obviously then it was just completely like, I just don't have any any faith that what they like to do is going to be good enough. And, And quite frankly, teams like that that are having those kinds of struggles offensively, if you can rely on your defense or if your defense can step up a notch and play some really outstanding football, it gives you a chance. 
but they were also having issues on the defensive side of the ball, like major issues. And so once Tyron was gone for the season, that's when I realized that it was really, really, they were really in a bad position. Now the, let's switch the, the question to something positive. What was something that, that a moment or a player coming back or anything that happened during the season that made you feel a little hope, a sign of hope for the Cowboys this year? I don't know about hope, but it, like as dumb as it sounds in retrospect, I mean, the Atlanta game will stick with me forever. Just, I mean, I know Atlanta's bad and the season is bad, but that was just a absolutely ridiculous game. Um, you know, that's the classic case of a game where like we were all starting on our stories in the third quarter because it was so obvious that the game was over. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And yeah, it didn't wind up meaning anything i guess but it was still really fun like that was just a really fun football game yeah that was exactly I my guess, answer i guess good nick i was just gonna say that that's a, a hope for the season i mean for for the team and and maybe next year i mean i i'd look at it like hope for this year maybe i, I don't know if that what the question actually was but i'll i'll take it from recently i i think leighton vanderesh Blitzing up the middle and hitting Carson Wentz like that um, showed, you know, a, a, the type of play that we've been kind of waiting for from him, and hopefully he can come back. and And it was that kind of game, that kind of play against Philly. That's like I thought Philly would be the team you'd have to beat to win this division, and that still might be the case. But I think that they can play with Philly. Uh, they were very handicapped on a quarterback there. If they get any kind of better play at quarterback, and I think they will. I think they could beat Philly or any team. So just that kind of play from Leighton individually and then also as a team and an aggressive defense actually getting a, a turnover, like a real turnover, I thought that was a, a, some kind of hope. They didn't win the game, but I think that it showed that they can they can compete in this division if they want to win it. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually agree with Dave on the on the Atlanta game because at the time when it happened, I looked at that and said, like, those are the kind of moments that sometimes you see these really, really great seasons that teams have. They get sparked by this moment that was very improbable, and then they kind of get on this run. So I was looking at it like, okay, maybe now is when this offense is going to really start to click. Maybe now is when this defense will start to play better, and they'll get on a run. Obviously, we know the next week they did not, but – that was oh, that was the moment. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. If that's the moment y'all have hope, are y'all saying at this point now that you know, are you saying you have absolutely no hope for this team? This team is hopeless. Yeah. I, because if that was the moment that gave you hope, and then it, it, it didn't do all those things you were hoping to do, so that means yeah, they're hopeless. Yeah. The only hope they got right now is that the rest of the division will be so bad that they will squeak into the playoffs and then they will get a prompt exit in the first round. I. I don't think they have the players. I don't think they have the players to be able to complete with, compete with those playoff teams in the NFL, right? In the NFC, I think that maybe they can win the NFC East just because of the things we talked about. I just don't think they have the players right now because a lot of their great players are not available to yeah. them. But I will throw out one other thing that I think, and these have been random moments throughout the season that you combine them all together should give fans some hope. Is you look at this last draft, and the there have been four players from that draft that at different moments this year you thought, huh, this guy's playing pretty well as a rookie. You look at C.D. Lamb, you look at Trayvon Diggs, you look at Neville Gallimore. 
even uh, to be honest, I just saw an article that said that uh, that he's ranked among one of the best rookies by Pro Football Focus. They do like a midseason um, All Pro team, and, and he was on the All Rookie team um, as a, as a you know one of their designated players. And so I, I look at that, and that gives me some hope for the future. That at least you look at this draft class and you say there are flashes coming from this draft class. That if they keep developing these guys, they're not there yet. But if you keep developing these guys, you might have hit on at least four of the players uh, that you had in the draft that might turn out to be pretty good players for you down the road. Now imagine if you get to add like four more of those yep. guys who were all taken at the top of their respective rounds. Right. You know? Right. Then, you, then you're working with something, especially if they're on the defensive side of the ball. Which I think Nick made a really good point earlier in the show, which is like it's, it's not my job or my responsibility to care where they go from here. Like, if they don't win another game, I'll cover the whole thing. If they win the division, I'll cover the whole thing. Like, that's... I don't have to have a preference. But I understand the appeal of people who are looking toward yeah. the draft. Like, yeah. I understand it, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see which way it goes. But yeah, I, I understand it, too. I, I definitely understand it, and, and it sounds, you know, way better. But, I mean, I think you have to play it out and see because you know part of trying to develop those young guys and develop a culture and all that is going out and trying to win the game you know and, and win I, I i could see where the argument would be about garrett gilbert and and andy dalton though it's like well why don't you try to play G- gilbert because he might be a, a better future guy for you for a backup than than andy dalton but i think if this division's for the taking i think you, you owe it to everybody your veterans your, your young guys, you owe it to everyone to try to go out and, and win. Yeah, and I will say this too, Nick. I mean, we had a whole different opinion of, of Jason Garrett when he came in as an interim and he got this team five wins down the stretch. They went mm-hmm. five and three down the stretch. That tells you a lot about a coach it's in true. a situation. And I, I would assume, I wasn't in the locker room, but I would assume those players had a little different perspective of him as well. Whatever their perspective was before, they probably respected him in a little different way to get their team into a position to be able to take a team that was 1-7 and seven to be in 5-3 and three down the stretch. I think that has a way of building yeah. the right kind of culture and, and getting players to buy into the fact that this guy knows what he's doing. If we can trust him, we might be able to do some good things. It was so ironic because that's what happened when they needed a new voice from Wade Phillips. It just wasn't working, and Garrett came in and gave them a spark, a new voice. And then the ironic part is, ten years later, you know they're doing okay, average, but this team just needed a new voice, yeah. and so they, they decided to go and, and make a change. But right now, that voice isn't isn't helping them. I mean, Mike McCarthy and the staff—they're not—they're not. They're not all the experience and all that, this team isn't helped. Now, they're getting a ton of injuries and all that. It's hard to really say what McCarthy's doing, but, but this new voice hasn't certainly hasn't turned the page, and the Cowboys are better because of it. Not yet, at least. So that's a wrap. What we're going to do is those other questions that you had, Amber, save those. We'll get into those tomorrow. I have, I have a, bu- yeah. Yeah, I we'll have a bunch tomorrow. of questions that fans send in, and we'll save them for the week, maybe once every day, because you always say, oh, we'll have time for fan questions, and then we never do, but that's okay. I'll keep them in the can. Let me just tell you this. It's been <laughs> over a week since our last game. We're going to have plenty of time for fan questions tomorrow. <laughs> we, we will have plenty of time. Unless Mike McCarthy breaks some really, really outstanding news this afternoon in his press conference, I think we're going to have a lot of time for fan questions <laughs> tomorrow. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Even, Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Yeah!